0: What's up everybody welcome back to the seven figure flipping podcast this is bill allen and we're continuing down these first deal stories but before we do today i want to tell you about what i did this weekend so i get to spend time at a three-day virtual event that's run by our event planner so myself becca vanessa bethany four of our team members we bought tickets to another virtual event so we could look behind the curtain and see what it's like for the audience so we could be a participant at that event see how our event planners run it, what the dashboard looks like, how the breakout sessions go, what the event looks like from a participant. And I took tons of notes. I uh, participated in the entire event. So did the rest of our team. We're getting together this week to talk about what we learned, what we could do better. And we're doing exactly what we teach you guys to do, is how do we hack the pros? Like, what are other people doing that we can get better at And we saw a ton of things that I think that they could work on. I also saw a ton of things that I think went really, really well. So I know that our event, Flip Live, is going to be 10 times better than it would have been if we didn't pay this money, join this conference, go to it, get all, get everything, like behind the scenes access, all the stuff, go to the different sponsor booths, all the things. It was amazing to see. And I have pages and pages of notes and things that I can do better that I can work on. It also gave me a lot of clarity about what's possible. So now I can spend the next two months preparing for this event and making sure that your experience of flip Hacking live is as great as it possibly can, because our event is going to be better than anybody else's event. So I'm incredibly competitive, like hyper competitive. It's a problem. And I want to make sure this guy's been doing it for 20 years. And I want to make sure that my fifth event is better than any other event that anybody's putting on out there, real estate world or outside the real estate world. So it was cool to see that. It was cool to see behind the curtain. And it's amazing what's possible. Uh, this event blew me away. After three days of being fully engaged, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, on Monday morning, I was like, ah, I want to I log back in. I want to hang out with my friends. I want to I get more incredible sessions from speakers that are, um, that are talking about things that I'm really interested in. So I know that you're going to enjoy it if you're on the fence or you're thinking the fact that we went virtual is not for you. Believe me, this is going to be an experience that you have no idea what's coming. Um, they had a scoring system, oh, all kinds of stuff that I'm going to be talking about that we're going to be doing coming up. So follow along in the next couple of weeks on this podcast or the Flip Hacking Live podcast. I also launched another one that's shorter that we're going to be talking primarily about this event, but you can go to fliphackinglive.com and grab your tickets. All right. These first deal stories, we at Flip Hacking Live, we open up the runway, seven-figure runway. So last year, I created this seven-figure runway and seven-figure altitude mastermind groups, and um, we closed the doors for the runway for an entire year. So I threatened to do it. People said, oh, he's probably not going to close the doors for good. He's going to open it up back up. They'll do a flash sale. They'll do something after three months, six months, things like that. But we shut the doors and we really wanted to make sure that we poured into those folks and uh, we took them along that path because they're newer investors, right? So the seven figure runway is our mastermind group for folks who are just getting going up to doing about 10 deals a year, 200, $250,000. And that's when they kind of lift off and elevate into altitude. And we have had a lot of members move up into altitude over this last year, which has been really cool to see. And their success has been amazing. And you've been listening to them on this, these first deal stories. So if you haven't heard them, go back and listen to the previous few episodes. It's, um, it's all, some of our runway members sharing about their first deals or some of the deals or some of the things that they learned inside of this runway group over the past year. So today I get to talk to somebody who absolutely blew it out of the water with our small group accountability. Yuri Berman is one of our runway members. He's absolutely amazing, house flipper, great guy, father of three, just amazing guy. And you're gonna, you are hear from him and I know that you're gonna enjoy this one. But he took the accountability groups and the driving for dollars concept and blew it out of the water. Like his dedication and commitment, he was getting deals on a regular basis by focusing on one thing. And I think you're really going to enjoy this one. So if you don't have a lot of money, driving for dollars makes sense for you. You're looking for cheaper uh, marketing channels and avenues to go look for deals and find deals. This is going to be a podcast that you're going to want to listen to. And he gives some incredible advice. For you and your mindset too. So without further ado, we'll roll the theme music and jump right into my interview with Yuri Berman. My name is Bill Allen, and I'm the leader of a group of elite house flippers and wholesalers called Seven Figure Flipping. We don't brag or show off our success, but instead let integrity and stewardship be our guide. We are dedicated to helping people unlock the freedom they desperately need. If you ask other real estate investors, they will say to keep your secrets quiet, but we believe in abundance, not scarcity. And that's why we are the elite. We are seven-figure flipping, and this podcast is our playbook. Hey, everybody! Welcome to the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast. This is Bill Allen, and we're in this series on talking about some of our seven-figure runway members' first deals. And um, you know, it, it's it's interesting to hear all of this and uh, listen to some of their stories. And hopefully, this is giving you a lot of encouragement to get out there and take some action and jump in and realize that it's, it's possible to do these deals. It's not somebody who's doing hundreds a year all the time. And these stories are really relatable to, to you. So there's going to be somebody who comes in on the series that, that sounds a lot like you and is doing things like you. And just hopefully we're kind of clearing away a lot of the confusion of what it takes to do something like this. So um, today I've got one of our uh, Seven Figure Runway members, uh, uh, Yuri Berman. Hey, Yuri, how are you? Hi, Bill. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. So thanks for taking some time to kind of share some of your stories. And we were talking a little bit pre-show about um, going back to your first deal, which was uh, kind of a long time ago. So before we do that, why don't we just talk about uh, your story a little bit? So kind of, you know, how you uh, kind of came here to the U.S. and a little bit about that.
1: Yes. Um, Thank you, Bill, for having me on this podcast. This is very important to me. And I was very shaky when I received your email saying that you would like to do podcast with me so I was like why me why I'm so lucky yes well I
0: answered I I answered in the beginning I said I said look you've had a ton of success and we'll talk about it today on the show but you had a ton of success inside of the accountability groups and inside the seven figure runway so I really wanted to see like you know success leaves clues so I really wanted to see like if we can bottle some of your success and why You know what you're doing and share it with the audience so they can know like motivate them to go out and do the same thing right so yeah i know i know we'll get there but that's why right
1: yes absolutely so uh my name is yuri berman and uh, me and my wife diana berman we have three kids 10 7 and 4 year old and all of them were born in the states but before that in uh, 2008 we got married with diana and she was doing her phd studies in north carolina state university Uh, So she came back to finish her PhD and the first time I came to the U.S. was December 2008, just right after the crash happened. And I was in Europe at that time and uh, we felt we felt a big thing happen, and we didn't know what the impact is going to be. But I wasn't in real estate, so I didn't care much uh, for that. So I came to the U.S. knew, uh, didn't know any situation. Uh, didn't know what was going on what's going to happen and didn't know what to do because i was on f2 uh, uh, student visa which is dependent uh, visa for students and so i didn't have a permission to work i didn't have permission to uh, generate the revenue the only thing i could do is just stay at home and support uh, my wife with the studies and I'm not the person that watches movies and Netflix. I just can't do that. I can't sit still. I got to do something. Even if it's something that other people won't do, I will go in and, and try to make it, try to get it done. So what I noticed, the first thing is that everybody drives oversized trucks and, and cars, and everybody has big houses and big lots. And in Europe, it's like all small. We, in Europe, Mini Cooper, it's a family car for uh, with two people or with one. With one kid or two kids, and in the states, you have two or three kids, and you drive trucks big trucks like family, uh, not in construction, but just regular people would drive F250 or F350 and with a huge six liter engines. Um, So, I noticed that people have money and they are not holding it up tight, Uh, people are spending money, and people are willing to share this money. Um, so I have this. uh, interesting thing happened to me first week I was in the States it, we went to Prager with my wife to do a grocery shopping there is a lady in front of us with a full cart of groceries and supplies and once she on the checkout she's presenting uh, coupons like big, big bunch of coupons for you know whatever she, she had and then also food stamps at the same time and then she's she owed like $17 um, in cash after all the coupons and, and, and food stamps. And she gave $20 to the cashier and the cashier gives her $3 back. And this lady takes off $3 and puts it in a charity box. And I was like, no, 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 no. You don't do that. I mean, you don't do it. First of all, the person that knows how the charity box works in the stores, grocery stores, they don't put the money in there. If you want to do charity, go support some charity, but not at the grocery stores. And the second, she, you need the money more than that charity box. Because with all your uh, things that got going on with you and food stamps and, and, and the coupons, you may use those $3 for something better than just putting it in charity. So it hit me that I can provide service. So people here in the U.S. are not mowing their own grass. They're not painting the fence. They're not changing, the, changing out the toilet themselves. Easy tasks that you don't have to be qualified and not trying to save the money. Uh, and they would hire someone out. Not because they can afford it, but because they can. Because it's like, it's not worth my time to spend my to paint my own fence or cut my own lawn every two weeks. I can hire somebody and pay forty dollars. Now, where I come from, it's all different. In Europe we don't do that. We we kind of we don't try to save every penny, but as much as we can, because mowing your own grass versus spending the same time on a couch watching TV. First of all, it's more healthy to be outside and doing your, your own craft. But it's like makes sense to me. It doesn't make sense hire somebody for that unless you're extremely busy and you have other things. But you can always always include your kids. That's what we do. Uh, leaf raking, uh, picking sticks, um, helping helping with other things, yard work. So it's it's a family thing. Um, so that's like I was two weeks in the states and I was sure that I have to find a way that I can provide service. And with a service, it's always like this. Better service you provide, more you can charge. So it doesn't matter if you, uh, what you do, people will appreciate if you do a little bit more, just a little bit more than anybody else, than everybody else, you're going to be good. People will appreciate that. And once again, people in the United States, they're willing to pay for the service. So yes, so then um, fast forward, uh, that year we bought a first house and we bought it on a mortgage on a student on a uh, student visa. We still had a student visa, but we didn't have, uh, we had, my wife had a social for the visa and I had the ITN number, which doesn't allow me to work. But we still were able to negotiate with Wealth, Wells Fargo and we bought our first house. And uh, I didn't know nothing about, building houses, remodeling houses. Uh, I didn't have no tools. I didn't have basically nothing except I can do this because uh, that's fun, that's fun. That's, I, I like to create, I like to um, get be involved in something and then make, make it nice and beautiful. So the first house, we found it on MLS. We had a, a realtor, uh, an agent help us, uh, Negotiate. Actually, I was negotiating most of the part anyway, uh, and uh, it was listed for eighty nine thousand, and we negotiated to seventy four thousand off the MLS. Um, and I didn't know that I can buy it from better from from seller or any other way. I just went with easy way. So we bought that house in in Raleigh, North Carolina. I did all the work myself, everything. Never didn't hire nobody except. Uh, when the village uh, the, uh, building department required plumbing um, be checked by the plumber, so I had to hire the plumber. But other than that, they did not require me to hire an electrician or HVAC, so I did all of it myself. It took me a long time. It took me a lot of uh, wasted material, a uh, lot of money input. I wouldn't have a lot of money, uh, for you to understand. it was Everything was out of our pockets. I not I didn't have any other income and my wife's student income was like, I don't know, 1,300 a month. So there was no money coming in. So we had to really watch our balance, but it turned out beautiful. And when we moved from North Carolina to, to Illinois, uh, I put, I listed that house on the market and it was 14 hour drive for us to go from Raleigh to Chicago. Uh, on that 14 hour drive, um, I got a showings, two showings. I got a contract and we accepted the contract. And once I landed in, in Chicago, once we arrived in Chicago, the house was sold. That was sold. And I made $26,000 on it. on, on That deal. Yeah. It was amazing. It was amazing because I didn't have a hammer. I didn't have a nail puller. I didn't have any tools when I came to U.S. And I had to figure out how it works. And so I call it um, what's the biggest thing that Made me uh, successful is I went to YouTube school and I learned pretty much everything on YouTube. I laid the tile for the first time in my life. I installed the tub for the first time in my life. I changed the toilet out. I never did that before. Uh, and inst- I installed the kitchen cabinets. I installed um, uh, what else was there? Um, uh, doors. I didn't do it with the windows, but everything else paint and, and, and even the hardwood floor refinish. I did that. I don't like that. That was bad job, but it's sold. It's sold.
0: Yeah. So there, I pulled a couple of things from there and yeah. I think it's, I think it's interesting. And I just, I just want to kind of point out a couple of messages that I pulled from that story. One was better service, the more you can charge. So what I find is as a wholesaler, like we predominantly wholesale now in my company and I tell my team and my staff all the time, like we have to provide a service that we get paid to provide a service to the seller, the buyer, everybody, right? So if we're not adding value to this transaction, then why should we make money? So the more value that we can add, the more problems we can solve, the more, the the better service that we provide, the buyer should, a buyer of that contract should just be able to show up with his money, his or her money and sign the documents at closing. It's that simple. And the seller shouldn't have to feel the pain and the stress of it all. We should be taking all that, all that. We're the iceberg underneath the surface of the water dealing with all the problems and issues, right? And so uh, I think that's, that's important for any business. Any business that you start, the better service, the more you can charge for sure, or the more value that you bring to the marketplace, right? So I did a podcast with Bob Berg, the author of The Go-Giver, and that's his like, first law is to provide more value than you charge for in payment, and that's that's the that's business, right? That's when you're in you're doing a great job. And then I, I love the fact that you said you didn't have much, and but I think you had the mindset, like you had this uh, get after it, I'm going to get it done. Nobody can tell me no kind of mindset, and that's what a lot of people miss, I think. And you know, I don't want to uh, get into a big debate of um, of kind of this emigrant uh, edge that you see that people have, but it's just a different kind of uh, uh, mentality and and work work ethic I find in a lot of people and it's not just it's not just Americans but I see like when I go down to fly in Pensacola I see some great things from these young folks in uh, young Americans foreign nationals everybody they're working really hard and it, it makes me feel really good because a lot of times when I'm I'm away from the military uh, stamp like that these younger some of the younger generation is just a little bit lazier. They want people, things given to them. So it's just kind of the subset that you look at, but you didn't have much, but you had the mindset. Like you were ready to go rock and roll and you just took action. You said you didn't know you could buy houses off the uh, off market. Like, you know, now, but you also, you didn't know that you, you couldn't buy houses on the MLS. You just like went and just did it. You took action. You, uh, you figured it out. I remember my first house that I bought. Same thing. I went, I just, I, I met my uncle was a general contractor, so I was constantly sending him messages like, "Hey, how do you do this?" And then I'd watch YouTube videos, figure out how to lay tile. I mean, I took a sl- I found a slab of granite behind a uh, cabinet shop, and I asked him if I could buy it. And I actually bought all the tools with an angle grinder and all the uh, diamond blade polishers and, and cutters. I cut my own granite, and I polished the whole edge of the granite just like they would at a granite shop with uh, by hand in my driveway because i i didn't know that I shouldn't be doing that, and um I, I was i i resonate a lot with you and um in all of that, so you just took action you didn't know you could, but you also didn't know that you couldn't so you're just not gonna take no for an answer, you figure it out, and I think that's that's like the the start of a really good kind of entrepreneur or somebody who just is gonna go regardless of what happens so that was two thousand eight you made some money on that first house, and so let's fast forward a little bit to kind of how you found this community and what that was like. So how did you even find out about us? Yeah. So
1: um, then we moved to Illinois and I'm kind of guy that if I do something, I have to like, I keep doing it till I'm perfect at this. So I was buying houses off the MLS for a long time. And then after that, I found out that I can buy an auction site. So I started buying on auction sites and for like four or Five years I was just doing that, just buying houses off MLS and auction sites. And then uh, I came home and my wife said, uh, she's a professor and scientist, so she's the brains in the family. She's a smart one. So she said, you have to educate yourself. You have to, you're at the level that you can do better and you can do more by finding the right community to be at. So, by the way, she found the Justin's Williams uh, podcast and it was uh, June 2014 that I joined the Justin Williams um, group and I think we joined together. Me and you were on the same first and Marina and and, and Mike, uh, I think we were on the first one. Um, first people on that group. So since June 2014 I was in a in a uh, Justin's uh, group um, and Justin was a flipper and I was a flipper so we had a lot of things I had a lot of things in common with him. and then Andy came on uh, on, on a on a group and this group became a wholesaling group so that's when I kind of pulled back from the group I was just I still was listening to the podcast but I didn't include myself and in all the other activities because I was like I'm not a wholesaler I'm a flipper and I like what I do I buy Bad houses. I buy ugly houses. I buy trash houses, uh, and then I make them beautiful, and people are proud, and and neighbors are friends. And I still am friends with the neighbors from our first house. Uh, I like with and people that I sold houses, that I remodel houses, like eight years or six years ago, they still call me occasionally with the questions. And neighbors, neighbors, uh, left and right. So very friendly and very positive. And then wholesaler. On another thing, in my mind was something not bad but gray then you go in and you negotiate the price that works for you and you educate the seller the way you want them to be educated and i didn't kind of like the strategy i liked going in and if talking to the seller and he gives me the price the seller gives me the price and if it works for me i buy it. if it doesn't work for me i don't i i tell them oh, sorry i can't do that so that's what my strategy was before before um, this October, actually, before San Diego, so for the first time when I met when I went to San Diego to uh, uh, to the conference, and then you gave me a permission to do more and to understand how it really actually works. And then it's not about how much money we make; it's about how we're how are we helping other people. So, and that's then. I understood that I can charge for that. I can more service I provide, better I get gonna get paid. So you gave me permission to start wholesaling, and start um, negotiating better, and and some other tactics and 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 recommendations what I should change my business. So basically, when I came back from San Diego, I went to San Diego. I was successful flippers doing five six deals a year. Uh, most profitable deal was 42000 uh net profits on a rehab. That was actually the second house that I purchased and rehabbed it. Uh, and I did the work myself because I already had the knowledge, I had the tools, and I thought that I can do better than the first one. I can do quicker, I can uh, use less material, and I can make more money. So, yes, I did make more money because I had more experience. But, no, I wasn't more efficient. I th- still uh, wasted a lot of material and I wasted a lot of time and I'm not efficient at that. So since then, I'm not rehabbing houses myself. I'm hiring people since then. But that was my learning hard uh, experience on how to do it right. And I, and I um, actually, uh, Justin Williams in his uh, trainings and uh, his uh, wholesaling or his uh, flipping um, course um, gave me a lot of knowledge and a lot of understanding how things actually work it helped me a lot tremendously uh, but yes uh, but you uh, this last October gave me a permission to be a wholesaler and to understand that I can provide more service I can do more deals
0: okay so it you thought wholesalers were this like s- sleazy kind of operation right this uh, thank didn't, you di- didn't like the idea of it right I I, f- I felt this I felt the same way. It's funny. I'm, I'm hearing a lot of myself in, in this story because when I got, st- I, same thing. I was, I was a, a landlord. Like I would find a house. I'd, I'd live in it with the military, fix it up, rent it out. And then I'd move to the next one, live in it, fix it up, rent it out. And then I started fixing up just regular rental houses that I wasn't living in. And I, then I flipped one for the first time. I just kind of fell into it and I saw how much money I made and I was just shocked. And so I said, I'm going to do this more. And same thing, because I saw these other wholesalers and I just didn't feel, I didn't have a good feeling about them, like their ethics, integrity, all of these things. And then I, I met Andy and Andy showed me that what it could be like. And I said, wow, you can actually do this with ethically, with integrity, with the way that I want to do business and the kind of person that I am. And I related so much with him that I said, well, I why don't, why don't I try this? And so then I kind of went to like 50, 50. And that was just the epiphany that I, ha- I needed to have. I just needed to be around somebody who, who pulled me in and showed me that and changed my mindset. Right. It's it comes, all comes back to that. So you were doing five to six deals a year as a flipper. And so was this Flip Hacking Live in October of 2019, that was your first uh, Flip Hacking Live that you'd ever come to? Or had yes. you been to one before?
1: That was the first one
0: okay so why did you come to that one like what made you you, because you've been part of the community for a long time so why did you decide to come to that uh that event and never have come to one before because that was our was that like our fifth it was like our fourth or fifth event
1: yeah yeah that's easy that's because you took over uh you you bought the company so and i see the changes and i like the changing changes and i was like okay uh, let's let's try that let's let's be part Mm -hmm. of it let's um yeah, if if that would be a flipping community, I would most likely would be included, involved much more before. But that was kind of wholesaling community. So I, I didn't. I was following up. I was watching the podcast, and I was kind of still member of the Facebook forum group. But then you bought the company, and I said there might be good out of it. Let's let's go and see what it is.
0: So what was that event like? Like what was uh what? How did you? It's three day event in San Diego you'd never been before. What did you think when you showed up and like going through it? What was uh, some of the feelings throughout that event?
1: Oh yeah, the the event was amazing. I was like so thrilled and meeting everybody and I met Justin and and Andy and everybody else that I, the people that I um, have seen on the podcast and uh, uh, people that I read about uh, for like five years. um, And then suddenly meeting everybody in person, that was amazing. And then all the presentations, I was like so just taking notes and 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 just taking uh snapshots of all the um slides and and just listening in and I was so excited I didn't want it to leave and I didn't have this v i p uh, entrance so but I was just there all the time, just going around and trying to talk to people trying to t- catch everyone and then i I pulled Adam Rye aside and I showed him my mailing piece and I was like, what do you think about that? And he was like, I got to go, man. I got to go. I got things to do. I was like, wait, 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 one more question, two more questions. Yeah, so it was, it was amazing. It was really amazing. And so so was, you got to
0: meet people, people were approachable, that kind of stuff that everybody's sharing different things that are going on. Yes, absolutely. And that was my first time in San
1: Diego. And I have not seen any of the San Diego. The first time I got out of the hotel was on the third day when we finished when, you know, when everything went after the Jacko, after the pictures, it was done. The first time I got out of the hotel and just walked walked San, San Diego before my flight next morning. So I was like, you know, in the hotel, just doing nothing but this, 100%.
0: Well, I hope, I hope people are listening because that's that's how you take advantage of something like that, right? You go to an event, you immerse yourself in the networking, the experiences, you attend all the all the presentations. Uh, the big thing for me at, a, at an event like that is, I want people to come to every presentation. I want them to be focused. They're taking pictures, writing down notes like you're talking about because you don't know what presentation is going to really resonate with you. Uh, so you might have gone there as like, hey, I'm, I'm gonna, I just want to learn how to flip more houses or do more. And you actually, sounds like you walked out of there saying, wow, I actually have permission to and an understanding of how I could also add wholesaling to my uh, repertoire to charge money, make, you know, add value, help more people and yes, uh, opportunity. So, um w- w- I'm going to put you on the spot real quick. Was there one presentation that you thought was the most um like powerful for you and if so, which one was it? Uh, I thought uh, actually Andy's
1: presentation was pretty powerful because I was denying Andy before. I was kind of on I knew he existed, I know his business, but I wasn't sure if that's what that resonates with me a lot. And then that was the first day, his presentation. And after that I was, you know, I let it go. I let let it in. I let Andy into my mind and I was like, okay, let's let's listen in. Let's let's just think about it. Let's let's consider it. Yeah. And right. I still like flipping because it's still wholesaling is like getting ugly house, selling to someone, and you don't know what's gonna happen. Now flipping is still buying ugly house and making it beautiful. And then that I, that makes me very happy. Even if I don't make a lot of money on some flips. Some flips weren't uh, very profitable. There is one flip, just, that's just crazy, 24 months flip. And uh, two days ago, we finished it. And we're supposed to list it, it's uh, still in Illinois. But we can't list it because uh, Village Building Department is closed and some on lockdown and they don't allow inspections. So we can't have final inspection before uh, they can release the occupancy status to us. So we just finished our flips two days ago and now we have to wait. Mm. And it's been more than 24 months flat.
0: Yeah. Well, we we've got some houses that have been stuck in our pipeline for a while too. Um, it's it's been a little bit crazy. We actually just sold our last uh, renovation project yesterday. So um, we our inventory we have about five houses left in inventory. Most of them wholesales where we're just cleaning them up and selling them. So if you're listening to this now, I'm not sure when we'll put this out on the podcast, but th- this is we're recording this in the early, in early April, right around the. Uh, coronavirus lockdown time with all of this stuff happening. So a lot of the building departments are closed, inspectors are closed, the courthouses are closed, things like that. So in some areas that are locked down heavier than others, uh, you can't get a final inspection. You can't get uh, those kind of things to get the house uh, signed off and ready for a certificate of occupancy. So um, that's probably what's happening here, which is a shame. So hopefully you know, a couple more weeks, uh, things calm down and they open back up for you guys. So so you came to this the the event, you you let Andy in, that was the presentation, he changed, he, start, he kind of broke down your wall, right, the barrier. A lot of times, and he's done that for so many people. I mean, we have this glass ceiling above our head of what we think we can accomplish, how much money we can make. Um, really, that mindset and permission, like you mentioned earlier in the show, is that's what we need. We just need somebody to give us permission to go out there and be who we could be, make the money we can make, um, help the people that we can help. And- Hopefully, that's what this this podcast and the show does for a lot of people, and obviously I highly encourage them to come to the event, uh, because it, really being there, like you had five years of videos from Andy and, uh, and Andy on the coaching call every every month and stuff like that, and you still had to be like be in there, sitting down. and sometimes uh, there's, a, there's a phenomenal quote as a, "When the student is ready, the teacher will appear, right?" So that uh, sounds like that's what happened. You were ready. You were ready to receive this. You had uh, been in a place. You were in a position. You were in a mindset. You were in a frame in there, in that audience saying, okay, um, I'm ready. Like, uh, talk to me. So over those three days, you decided to join the seven-figure runway group while we were there, it sounds yes. like? Okay. So what was that decision like? Was it a difficult decision?
1: No, that was easy. I was ready. I was ready before, but I didn't see value for me exactly. Uh, before, because I was, as, once again, I, I didn't see myself as a wholesaler, and that's what I thought this group is about. So that was my uh, misunderstanding before, uh, that it's not only about the wholesaling, it's about the community, it's about the make, getting it under contract and at the right price and, and uh, flipping it or wholesaling. So it's about the, everything about housing. Not not just wholesale, not just making money off the contracts, and that's what that's what changed in San Diego. I, I realized that it's not just reassigning the contracts; it's more more to it. So that was easy decision. I was like, okay, let's go on. Let's now I know what it's for. Let's do it. And uh, the only thing uh, I need to get done is I need to uh, make sure my wife's my wife agrees to this. And uh, I have this uh, thing about myself. So if you don't know, if you can't explain what you're doing in 20 seconds, then you don't know what you're doing in in anything. like, if somebody asks you, what is your job? Uh, You have to be, you have to explain it in first 20 seconds. Otherwise you don't know what your job is. Like if somebody asks you, what's your, what is the task that you want to do? You have to do, I mean, you have 20 seconds to explain. So, and that's, what, that's exactly the same with, with, uh, in the family with my wife. Um, I have to explain her. So I called her and so I was walking around a little bit um, and before I called her, just trying to figure out what I am gonna say. So I picked up the phone and I called her and I know I have 20 seconds to, to explain her where $15,000 will go and why it's important. And I just said, um, hi, how are you? How are you doing? How are the kids? And then I said, I got something important to talk to you about. Uh, Do we have $15,000 to join this group? And the answer usually is like, what? How? And people starting, you know, be uh, very defensive. And then uh, with those 20 seconds, I have to break that defense line. But instead of that, she was like, as long as it's not our money, as long as it's money from your business, you, you're you okay to do whatever you want. So it took me like six, seven seconds, that <laughs> phone call, and that's it. And that was okay. That was okay from her. Um,
0: so you so didn't yeah, even so have to easy. explain it. You just no, said, no, hey, no. Do, do we have it? Yeah, we've got it. So, yeah, you know, I think, like- I think that's probably her. Uh, it sounds like, you know, she's been very supportive throughout this with everything that you are doing, because especially pushing you into that education in the beginning. And she knows, uh, probably the value of, of education from the formal education side of what she does. So same, same with me. But you know, I struggled uh, personally with this decision when I made it um, to, to spend $25,000 because I had done the like formal education, but there was so much negativity towards like, the self-improvement education, maybe just in the real estate forums that I was in and things like that, people talking like that. So um, it was a really big step for me to jump from, and I'm also super cheap. So I just couldn't, I couldn't make that leap. It was like a really big leap mentally until I, I started like breaking down a lot of the beliefs and barriers and say, you know what, I'm, I'm investing in myself. And I believe in myself more than anything else. And when I realized that it it became that this, this is like, this is something I should spend money on more than that formal education that I had hundreds of thousands of dollars spent on, you know? Exactly. Uh, so, okay. So we, we, you came in there and then um, I want to talk about the, kind of the accountability, like your, your, that first deal once you joined, because there was this big, um, you had an awesome post inside the Facebook group and I know Becca was cheering you on and things like that from the accountability group. So why don't you share that, um, just kind of some, some of that stuff. Like what was that like once you joined and, and started taking action?
1: Yes, uh, I'm a person that I will do anything if I see value in this, like even the money spending. If I, I see if it's a good good price for the value or not if it's if it is for me personally for me then i would go for it so spending fifteen thousand dollars on this group that was a good value for me so that was no doubt so and now when i pay that i need to maximize the effort maximize the the outcome from that so i was just soaking in all the information as much as i could and then also becca's presentation with uh, accountability group and her um her lineup of uh, see it, write it, uh, talk about it, get accountable. I have that on my wall since we came back. I put that the poster on my wall, and this is exactly what's what's going on. If you're gonna write it down, if you're gonna talk about that, you can't back up. People will c- hold you accountable. It's like we ride bikes every morning. Uh, doesn't matter what the weather is, rain or not, because people are holding us accountable. People are like, well, you still ride the bike this today? It's like freezing or it's raining. We were like, yeah, sure. So it gives us a uh, permission, not permission, gives us an effort uh, and, and willing to do more because people depend on us. People believe in us. So same, same with that. So uh, I, I joined the accountability group, and uh, one of the things uh, I decided I'm going to do, I have a lot of uh, time, so I'm going to do driving for dollars, uh, uh, marketing, which is getting into your car driving around the neighborhoods, spotting uh, houses that are vacant or houses that need need a lot of work or uh, that um, just, if it gives me a feeling that the owner might sell, then I'll send him a letter. Now, I don't do postcards, I do letters myself. I own a small mail um, house and I do the letters. Um, and yeah, so I was driving for dollars, for five hours a week and I was following directions exactly what Becca told me, uh, how how it has to be. Uh, so you put what you wanna do, you put it on the paper, you put it in an accountability group and you follow that and then you give yourself a, a, a percentage, like a mark, how much you got accomplished, 100%, 70%, 80%. And my accountability chart wasn't 100% uh, in those uh, three months of accountability group because it just some things are hard to do and some things you don't know if you can, uh, you know, how long are they going to take. So it was hard to follow up, but I was following the directions and I was doing it no matter what. I found that uh, like one hour a day, I was driving around the neighborhood uh, five days a week. So it's five hours a week was driving and and using Propelio app uh, on my phone and to track my uh my drivings and, and my houses. So in those three uh three months I got uh close to five hundred houses that I sent letters to. So in those twelve weeks, I was five hundred houses marked on my map. So uh, my leads. And I I was sending them letters. Twice a month. So um, you told me you want to talk about this. Firstly, first, lead, first uh, contract, my success uh, from that driving for dollars marketing. Uh, but uh, the biggest success I had that I was able to follow that strategy and that I maximize my effort and and also I got paid for that. So what happened was. Uh, one of the houses that I drove by, I noticed that it's under construction, that it's a new construction. They basically started to build on and then they stopped the construction. There were no workers. There were no materials. There were no trash. There were nothing. It was just boarded, green board, uh, new construction, abandoned. Um, so I sent them a letter and sure enough, um, this gentleman calls me and he says, uh, we consider we, we received your letter. We would like to, like to be inter- entertained with your offer. So, and you guys at the um, in San Diego taught told me don't give the price, don't don't tell the numbers, you know, just just get the number from the seller. So I was trying to push it away as far as I could. I was like, I can't tell you the number. Uh, what you want to get for it, and how much you know, how much money you need, how much money you need at the closing, and what you owe on it. So by the end, he was so frustrated with me just 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 kind of pushing him away. He said something like he wanted to end the conversation. I was like, wait, 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 Let, let's, let's meet. He, w- he was not interested in meeting at first. And then I invited myself to an appointment for them, basically in their office. He said, no, I don't think it's going to work out. He told me, I don't think it's, uh, uh, there is, it will be a time wasting, uh, something like that. But I said, no, no, th- just wait for me. Wait in your office, I'll come over. So the same day, five o'clock, I showed up in their office and we signed a contract. We sat at the table, we talked, we looked at the prints, we looked at the um the what went wrong with since they bought the house, uh why they couldn't finish the job and where where they lost the money and i we put it on on the contract. What I didn't know is that they were facing foreclosure uh that was already assigned to be on a courthouse the house was assigned to be foreclosed and sold on a courthouse steps in beginning of january and that was end of november or something we didn't know i didn't know about that he didn't tell me that he, he was like that's that project takes a lot of my time and i lost some money so i need to get rid of it he didn't mention nothing about foreclosure so i put it on the i put it on the, on the contract and i was driving back it was wednesday we had a coaching call uh, coming on i think it was with tyler maybe not uh with someone and uh, i was so um uh, so happy with that I, I wanted to share it with everyone but it was just fresh contract i didn't know what's going to happen so i didn't i kind of didn't share the the story but i did share my map of driving for dollars and how many houses did i mark and so being consistent and being on time and, be, and following the directions exactly without Me changing things and without me interfering with instructions, that was a success. That I just was determined for three weeks, five hours a week driving, and that's how I got that house. Not by being good salesman, salesperson, just by hard work, just by putting you know gas into my car and just driving, without any. So there was no trick. There was no trick. It was just a numbers game. So out of the five hundred houses, I got three houses right now for, uh, I bought three houses out of those uh, 500 leads.
0: Yes. That's, so, that's, that's incredible. So that it's, that's, that's absolutely incredible. What I heard was, um, so you jumped in the accountability group, you're driving for dollars, you picked that, that was your action, right? So everybody has an action in that group. And then, uh, you put five out five hours a week and you didn't even put like the number of houses or anything. It's just, I know if I drive for five hours a week, and i write down addresses that i'm going to i'm going to build a list. You built a list of 500 houses in 3 months and you weren't always at 100%. So you didn't hit you didn't hit your target every week. A lot of people think that in these accountability groups i have to make sure that i hit my target every week. Some of the people that are most successful have an average of like 70%. You know, 60% some weeks it's 20%, some weeks it's 100. And it's the accountability groups are so powerful. I've seen like I, I, we had on the cruise, we had everybody raise their hand and say, you know, the, the leaders went up there and said, how many of you have had, had one person meet their goal? And everybody raised their hand and then two people. And then a couple of hands went to three people, four people. Some of them had five people of their group reach their goal. And these are pretty big goals, right? Some people want to do their first deal. Some people want to raise, you know, half million dollars or a million dollars, and they're reaching their goals just by taking these actions. You back it all the way back to the actions that you take. So, if you're listening to this, how many of you would love uh, like a targeted list of 500 houses in three months, and then the next month you could do the same thing? Now you have a thousand houses, fifteen hundred houses, and you just you build. You can build a list based on that, and then send letters twice a week. Like these are very, very targeted lists, right? So. Um, so for you, you say you have from that you got three houses that um, that you got from that from that list. Three houses yes. that you that you bought or wholesaled or did something with uh, that I bought. Uh,
1: so you bought you bought them. all three of them. Yes, but I wholesaled all
0: three of them. Okay, and so do you have any idea? Like, can you you ha- open to share how much you made on those three houses from that? Oh, Sure. Uh, okay. The
1: first one that that uh, the new construction I made twenty two thousand uh, five hundred. And those other deals were uh,
0: five thousand each. So thirty thirty two thousand five hundred dollars total. Yes, for one quarter of of work, and you probably still have that list of houses that who knows if you keep mailing to them or targeting them, uh, more leads could come from that.
1: Yes. Now, when I have more experience with driving for dollars, I understand that my fifteen hours actually it was like. Doing 15 hours, I got one deal, but then doing another 15 hours, I got two extra deals. So now I have like 700 houses, Uh, all totally spent 30 hours of driving and I stopped doing that because that's my uh, farm area. So going uh, out of my farm area will take much more time for me just to commute back and forth because those 30 hours are just driving where I left off. That's not preparing for the drive. That's not getting myself to the drive. It's like starting where I left off and then going, you know, all the neighborhoods. So that's my farm area with 700 houses, 30 hours of driving. And I'm going to do that again in the next uh, four months. Like I decided every six months I should do that. 30 hours of driving exactly the same neighborhoods My my city, my farm area. I shouldn't go anywhere out of that. So that's why I have leads of 700 houses now and I'm going to see how they are doing in the next four months. So I'm going to do that all over again. So I decided six months, that's the time I should renew my list.
0: I love that. You're, you're like uh, very specific and targeted for a reason, right? This is like a precise driving for dollars. And I love the part where you said, I just followed the directions, right? The most success was you just tell me what to do and I go do it. And I find a lot of people what happens is they... They understand the concepts and people are showing them the path, right? But they don't want to follow the path or they get stuck or they start getting into this analysis paralysis. But I heard this and somebody else said this. And my biggest thing when I joined this group was Andy just told me what to do. Like I saw what he was doing and I just did the same thing, like without question. And I shared a presentation that I did on the the cruise that we went on in February about this uh, uh, martial arts concept called shuhari, which is... The shoe phase is like the white belt phase where you just do the same thing over and over and over and over again until you understand it. And then you move on to some more advanced uh, techniques. But you stay and you do the same thing. It, there, there's another concept of this 10,000 hour concept. You don't really have it something that you know and understand until you've done it for 10,000 hours and then you've mastered it. So it's this art of mastery. And I think a lot of times we get lost in that. We want to skip all the way ahead to the black belt phase we want to be doing our own thing, being innovative and all this stuff when if you start with the basics, look you already made thirty two thousand five hundred dollars in a quarter based on the basics, just doing the basics, following the directions, following the the path and and doing what you said you were going to do, and you know focusing on that right yes, uh two
1: things um, that I see um, it's also I tend to be like that, but all the uh, like rest, all the other people are the same we try to adopt and we try to change the directions and instructions to what we think is right. But we are not qualified to do that. We have to follow the directions till we master at this. And then once we're good at that, we can adapt and, and change the instructions and, and recipes to our needs. But unless we're going to do exactly what we're told to, we're not going to be successful for the first till we learn. It's like, like cooking. If you want to bake the bread, you have to follow the directions exactly. Otherwise, not, nothing's going to happen. And then you can add something or take something away when you succeeded at this. Same way with driving for dollars. I had to do exactly what Bill, Becca, Andy, Adam Rye, uh, Jeremiah, everybody, Mike, everybody told me to do. Exactly. I had to put everything on the paper, and I had to follow it step by step without skipping anything. My alarm went off when I should start driving for dollars, when I should get ready driving for dollars, and then it was exactly one hour timing every day, not less, not more. You can some, some days I had to skip because I had an appointment or I had some other, I think other things to do. So the next day I would do two hours or, um, oh yes, I forgot to mention this. Our accountability meeting was on Sundays, Sunday uh, 3 p.m. Uh, central time. So I was filling my accountability chart and I see that I'm missing a couple hours of driving. So on Sunday, just before the meeting, I would get into my car and just drive for like two hours. Sometimes it would be three hours because the week was so crazy and I just let it go. So I had to show up on the meeting with 100%, at least those five hours done 100%. So I, was dri- I would drive like one, two, three hours just before the meeting and just get out, get out of the car and rush to the meeting and say, hey guys, I did it and I did it for you. And I was like always so thankful for them to show up and to listen to my story. And I was so excited to share it with them. So they held me accountable and they held me responsible And because with my wife, it's easy. It's like, we are comfortable. We are one, we are partners. We share everything. So successes are losses we share. So I could easily make a, make an um, excuse not to do that because I have to watch the kids. I have to do this. I have to do that. And she would understand. Now those people in accountability group, they don't understand. They don't care. They really don't care. I mean, you tell them, I haven't done it. They're like, okay okay it's your fault you know you didn't do it but they will will not understand if i'll tell them yeah but my dog got sick my 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 you know my my kid you know is cranky or whatever they just don't care about that they want to see the results they are there to cheer you up and they are there to give you a hard time if you haven't done it just because that's what i asked them to do i told them when once we you know when we just started that Give me a hard time if you see that I'm lazy. Give me a hard time if you see that I'm looking for excuse. Give me a hard time if I haven't done it because it doesn't matter because, because of what. You have to, yeah, you have to do it. I mean, you have to do it for yourself. And they held me accountable. And I was so happy that I could show it to them that, yes, I succeeded at this. I have done it. You know, Not at the contracts, not how many contracts I got, but my actions. Um, I love this one. Becca said, you're not responsible for how many contracts you're going to get. You are responsible for uh, taking, completing the actions you're going to say you're going to do. So the contracts will come if you're doing everything right. So yeah. So my my success is not changing the recipe, following the instructions exactly how they are written, and not question. Don't question the authority. Authority is telling you what to do. Just do it. Just do it.
0: You know, the, uh, the actions dictate the results, right? So if we put in the actions, we put in the time, we're going to see the results. It's just how it works. Uh, I love that. And Becca also said to me, like part of, part of success is just showing up, right? Part of success of the accountability groups is just actually showing up and being a part of them because they do. I mean, I, the, the mastermind to me was so powerful because I would show up to these quarterly meetings and at the previous meeting, I would have said that I was going to do something. And just like you said, maybe it would be a, two weeks before the meeting i would go oh my gosh i i'm not there yet and i would get there before i showed up and the the most successful people are the people that that when they say something they're going to do it and we there there's there's a concept of your time expands to the amount that you have allotted to it right so that's why we're procrastinators we just wait till the last minute to get everything done but you need something that is that, that, that accountability piece is so important because then when you show up, you know, it, it would force me to push harder than I would have on my own. And we are probably both already pushed really hard on our own. So the fact that we can reach a different level and a different set of limits by having somebody else looking at us and say, did you do it? Or, and I would even show up at those meetings. And I, people would, would probably wonder why I didn't do it. I would lose credibility. And for me, that's the worst thing that could possibly happen. And nobody's going to like be forceful that you didn't get it done, right? But a lot of times it's this internal thing that we have, this internal uh, mechanism that we have inside of us that says, "I don't want to lose credibility around my peers. I don't want them to look at me differently because I had as you know ten percent instead of one hundred percent. like i want to I want to do the best that I can." And these accountability groups are so powerful for that. So, um, I appreciate you sharing all of this stuff, your, your message, the, uh, the stories of your first deal, the live-in flip that you did. Um, you've come a long way over these last 12 years and now like this wholesaling side, um, kind of what's next for you now? So we, we've entered this uh, next, level, next group of accountability. We have an event coming up. Uh, are you kind of continuing to go down the same path, a, a little bit of wholesaling, a little bit of flipping? Um, what's next for you?
1: I still flip uh, in Illinois. We live in Texas now um, in in uh, DFW area. I still flip in Illinois because I have contractors there. I have a my uh, financial par- partner is there. I wanted to talk about the money actually uh, because people a lot of people have struggled with getting the money. you don't know where the money is it will come from. Uh, you know that a lot of people have money, but you don 't know who is be, who will be interested or who will be willing to to get involved for example um, I have a money partner, and he's actually partnering my all my uh, business uh, in Illinois, and, and we also started uh, being a landlords in Texas, and uh, so we own the rental properties. And I met this person when we just first moved to Illinois. We were renting the apartment uh, first couple months, um, almost a year before we bought our own house, and we were renting it from this guy, actually from his dad. And his dad a uh, nice gen- gentleman got very friendly with him and he says what once at one point he said, "You remind me of my son he told me uh, he's determined he's on he's focused he's focused he's he knows what he he wants and he's a doctor so that's all I know I knew about this guy and then uh, I was invited to to the family dinners a couple of times so I met this sammy my 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 partner now and uh, I was doing one of the flips, and I was short on money. I was like very short on money, and because it was out of my pocket, everything was out of my pocket. I didn't have lenders. I didn't have hard money. Everything was straight out out of my pocket, and I needed—I um, don't know—I think it was twenty thousand dollars for finishing the flip, and the flip was expensive. It was like forty-two thousand um, dollars um, estimate. Not estimate, but you know, it took me forty-two thousand dollars to flip that house. So I needed $20,000. So I came to, 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 to this guy that I knew for, for six months, but I never done a deal with him. And I said, would you be interested? Um, and by that time, I, I already knew a little bit about how to structure the deal and how to secure the money. So I said, would you be interested if we, uh, I bought this house free and clear. It's under my name, not LLC name, just my personal name. And if I put you as the first lien on the house, for $20,000, and I pay you 20%. I didn't know what the percentage are going. What, what's the going percentage for that? I didn't know nothing about that. But I, I offered them 20%, not the annual, but 20% till I get the deal done. And my project was, uh, my projected time was like three weeks finishing remodel and then two, two months on the market. So for three months money, I would give you, for three months borrowing your money, I would give you 20%, which is like like you know 80% annually yep and uh, and then, all, I need twenty thousand dollars, and this guy he's a doctor, he's like, okay so he he lent me the money, we put it uh we secured it uh, as a loan uh, and then he visited the uh, the project site a couple times, just looking you know just overlooked that, and I was there working on it. It was the second flip that I did myself the whole whole thing myself, and the uh, Finished it, and I made forty-two thousand dollars on that flip, and I paid him back, and he was happy. I paid him like $6,000, just in interest, so $26,000, and he was happy with that, and since then, we've been working together. Since then, he's my only money, uh, private money lender, and the biggest, uh, right now, we are about $700,000 $700, uh, his personal money invested in our flips, just from one lender, and just the lender that we don't have personal connections we're not we haven't been friends for years or we didn't even know each other i was renting the apartment from his dad so it was kind of very strange connection but since then it's been like five years and we just work together
0: well, you t- you take care of each other too, right? So, yes, you know, you you make sure that you do the right thing and vice versa. It's interesting. It's it's a people in relationship business in everything that we do. And the earlier that we can realize that in this business, the more successful we'll be. Uh, I interviewed Chad Lundell about his story of uh, he he rented the uh, uh, house or a, apartment from Andy yeah. and then sat, they sat next to each other on the plane. And all, like that story is just amazing. Like there's opportunity everywhere. You just got to keep your eyes open and know where to look. And, you know, had you not had that conversation or thought of a creative way to work together, then, you know, it would have been totally different for you. Right. So uh, there's, you never know what's going to happen or who's going to come around. You're on a path, you're on this journey. And along the way there's going to be some decisions and opportunities that come up and you have to be in the position to be ready to, to open yourself up to it. And so uh, your story is very similar to that all the way through that I hear is, you know, you're ready for something and then it appears, right? But you, you've you got to be in that position to know that you're ready to look. Like if you maybe came to San Diego three years before, it just wouldn't have been for you, you know? And you came at the right time. You were ready for that. This person appeared. Um, you saw something that, you saw this opportunity. You took the opportunity. You jumped in. You took all the actions needed to determine, to, to execute the results. You actually used it. You put the time into it. Like you said, if I'm going to spend fifteen thousand dollars, I'm going to get a lot more than that back. It's the same feeling that I had when I uh, paid that twenty-five thousand dollars. I said, uh, "How much? How much return can I make on this?" Like, I know that I just got to do one more deal probably to break even or make some money. But what can I really do? Like, how how big can it get? And it got huge, you know, because I was focused on that, and it really that pushed me to do more and 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 build something that I could be really proud of because. For me, I was kind of cheap, and I had spent a lot of money so i of course, I want to get it back right i 'm going to make sure that i do so um, yeah money is and money is uh, i don't a lot of people struggle with money. we just did a whole series on it recently um, we 've got some great resources on money, but money should not slow you down it 's uh having those conversations, finding the right people they 're out there um, you know you, you have the opportunity you have the deals there's there's plenty of money out there there 's lots of money there's uh you have the deals. You have the opportunity. Um, just having those conversations are the biggest thing. Putting yourself out there is, is a challenge. Sometimes it's a little bit hard to to open up that opportunity and 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 have those conversations.
1: Yes, it's a it's in a human nature. If we get something for free or we didn't work hard for it, we don't appreciate that. Uh, even if we think we do, we're not. Unless you really pay for that with your money or with your sweat or with hard work or with something else, uh, you just don't appreciate that. We all do. We're all the same in this case. So, but once you are out there, once you have done something, you want to get rewarded, you want to get paid and that's when, then that's when it comes.
0: Yep. So uh, we're, we're running out of time a little bit here. What would you say to somebody who's just getting started, trying to do their first deal? Like, what would be your advice? Really the people that I want to, I want to reach on these first deal stories are, really those folks that are, that are, they've just gotten started. They're, they're not seeing success right away, or they're thinking about jumping in, or maybe they've done a deal and are struggling a little bit right now. Like, what would you say to those folks?
1: Follow directions. That's the most important thing. Uh, It's like we all went to school and we don't question the authority of the school teacher. We just listen and the math, we just listen. We just listen and we learn and we don't ask them why, why two plus two is four. And then we just take it the way it is, and then we follow, and that's what you should do. Just follow directions exactly. Don't change nothing on it. Just listen to the podcast and do exactly what Bill did. Do exactly what Andy did. Do exactly what Mike did. Do exactly the same one to one. Don't change anything. Don't change uh, wording in, in the letters in the in, in the postcards. Don't adjust that till you get the success. Till you know what you're doing, and you don't know what you're doing till you tried it long enough, like. We have kids, we have three kids, and it's not always easy with them. And if you give them something new to try, they will always say no. There is not a kid in this world that will say, yes, I would like to try something new. They will always reject it. Uh, it would be different if the teach school, te- school teacher gives them the same thing. They will trust the teacher more than they trust the parents usually. They have more authorities in, in the teacher. They uh, and so, But we have to overcome that fear of uh, losing The authority with the kids. So we have to give them to try, uh, give them the same thing to try for 10 times. And then if they don't like it on the 10 times, then you should consider maybe consider, you know, switching it or maybe he really doesn't like it. But your kid will never accept anything, any changes that you think it's for his good, especially if he needs to work hard for that or he needs to do some effort. The kids will be like, nope. Nope, no, nope, no, nope, 10 times. And then on the 10th, they will say, okay, maybe, I'll try. So the same with adults. Uh, you guys, the, especially the people that are, are getting uh, into this business, starting up, don't think, just you. Just don't think, you know. Just go ahead and do it. Go listen to Bill's podcasts and do exactly what, he did, what he's telling you do. Like, follow the directions. <laughs> this is the most important thing.
0: I love it. Yeah, I did the same thing. I uh, just watched Andy, took everything. I took, you know, everything that people were doing. And like you said, don't change it. It's that shuhari principle. I really love it. Like just, you're a white belt. Be, own it. It's okay. Be a white belt. Like be a white belt until you can move up to the next kind of belt level and just listen. The, the biggest thing is a lot of people just, like you said, don't listen. They want to be black. They want to go right to the black belt. And I, the people that I see success that have success and they, they're able to grow and become the master and then just become innovative and, and potentially eclipse the, the black belt or the sensei that they call it in the Shuhari principle is, is those folks that they mastered the basics. They're brilliant at the basics. They're phenomenal. And they continue to practice those basics too. So um, obviously, uh, Yuri said, just listen to what I say. So uh, go to flippackinglive.com and get a ticket. And um, I think like that, I find that this is the catalyst for a lot of people. They need to get in that room. They need to sit down there. They need to be in the place where they are. They're there for three days. They are all in. They're watching, you know, these other black belts talk on stage and things like that. And you see something in different people. Every person that I bring on, when I ask them what their, what the presentation it was that stuck out to them the most or impacted them the most, it's always different. You know, you don't know what you're looking for a lot of times until you, until it's there. It's just right in front of you. So, uh, it's a phenomenal event I, I really encourage like we talked about it a lot on this podcast but um october 15th through the 17th and uh grab a ticket this is uh this is something that you're not going to want to miss if you're serious about getting in- invested you want to start you know wholesaling or flipping or it's even good for landlords people are acquiring properties negotiating sales things like that but we're primarily a wholesaling and flipping community and uh Yuri, to your point we're pretty much like 50/50 now it's it has really shifted a lot to about half of our members are flippers and half are wholesalers. And we're really trying to focus on, on both of those. So um, you can go to fliphackingdive.com, grab a ticket October 15th through the 17th. And um, uh, you can see me there and I'll be telling you what to do. Just like you he said, <laughs> and you know, we'll have, we'll have 20 to 20 to 25 speakers on stage that are doing lots of different things in their business and it's actually like the current events and what's happening right now. So um, lots going on right now as we're recording this. So I'm sure that we're going to have a lot to talk about in October about how we're navigating the real estate market and what's happening and and bringing kind of current events up uh, and new strategies and new tactics and new techniques that, that we're using in our business and sharing them open and honestly and giving you everything instead of holding stuff back. So It's a very uh, open community. I love it. If people are going to stand on that stage, then I require them to share everything, not just a little bit. They're going to have to show all of it so you could replicate it from start to finish, just like Yuri's talking about. Be able to do every single step along the way and there's not confusion or something held back. So hopefully you saw that there. Did you see that there? Yes, I did. Yes, I did, definitely. Awesome.
1: One other thing, um, there is always going to be a lot of people, like most of the people will tell you, don't do that. Don't do something. You're not going to succeed. You're not going to be good at this. I tried. I failed. Just don't listen to any of that. This is, doesn't real, uh, resonate with you. This is not you. And you're not going to get anything for free. Nothing to, in this life. There is, there is a good balance. Everything in, a, in, in the nature is balanced. So if you work hard, you're going to get rewarded. If you don't want to work hard, you're not going to get rewarded. You might get lucky with one or two deals, but you're not gonna, it's not going to be a steady business. You want to do business, you have to work hard. You want to uh, do even more business, you have to learn, educate yourself, surround yourself with the right people, and then you're going to get rewarded. But it's not going to be easy. And flipping or wholesaling, this is not a free pass to get rich quick. And nothing will just happen just because you show up. If you show up and don't take action, nothing is going to happen. I met a couple of people in San Diego that were uh, second time or third time Uh, coming to this flip hacking life and they didn't take any actions and nothing happened for them. So it's up to you to decide if you want to work hard and get rewarded or not. You can have all the education you want and not use it. That's okay. That's fine. But you're not going to be rewarded for that.
0: Yeah. It's a big push that we do while we're there is, you know, you can show up and and take notes and listen and fill a notebook, but what are you going to do with it? You're going to put it on your shelf? Are you going to let it? Uh, acquire dust, dust until next year, and you come back. Or are you going to take action? Because that's that's a big thing. And I think the accountability groups, a lot of things that we do inside the mastermind groups, uh, they it really helps people. Um, especially those that are a little bit slower to take action, you can really see them start to get a lot of success a lot faster. So the, uh, I, I agree. I remember having to, I had to work really hard to get my business going. And then I had the ability to work a little smarter instead of a little bit harder. And now I work hard on other things in the business, like turning the dials and, and hiring and training and managing and leading my team. And I just work differently, but I still work hard and that's never going to stop. You know, I'm not going to be be sitting on a beach somewhere or watching Netflix, like you talked about on the couch. I'm gonna be, i be working. I don't, I don't cut my grass anymore. I got somebody that gets, comes to cut the grass, but that's because you know those days that they're cutting the grass, I want to be spending time with my family because I'm working hard the rest of the week. And I know that I can pay somebody twenty five dollars to cut the grass, and I can be doing something that's you know making me a thousand dollars an hour or five hundred dollars an hour. So it's about, it's about all the things that, that we talked about today. So hopefully I will see you guys at Flip Hacking Live this year. If you're on the fence. Um, uh, hopefully you, like some of you resonated with Yuri's story. You can see that you go out, you take all of those steps, you get the Propelio app, you start driving for dollars, you, you hold yourself accountable, you log it, you see where you're going and then you start sending letters. Like that is a perfectly designed system that a lot of people, and it's, it's very cheap. Like this is one of those that doesn't take a lot of money; it just takes some time. So some people have a lot of money, some people have a lot of time. You need one or the other to get going and start this business. I'm going to tell you, and you're right; it's not a get-rich-quick scheme. I'll be the first person to tell you that it's not. So, Yuri, thanks so much for sharing your story and your message with us today. I know that there's a lot of people that that are going to resonate with that; they're going to be excited about it. And I think um, we're going to we've helped a few people, uh, if not a lot of people, kind of get going, jumpstart their their business, and really like get the motivation that they need to take action in their life. So uh, go to fliphackinglive.com. I'll see you guys there October 15th through the 17th. And uh, Yuri, thanks so much for uh, talking to me today and sharing your message. I know that you've got three kids at home and uh, hopefully you're uh, going to spend some time with them today. So thanks. Thank you, Bill. All right. Bye. Hey, it's Bill again. And I want to personally invite you to our biggest event of the year, Flip Hacking Live. If you could copy the exact deal sources, marketing strategies, negotiation tactics, and business systems of the most successful house slippers and wholesalers in the nation, how would that change your business? Flip Packing Live is a three-day event that we do just once per year, and it's happening October 15th through the 17th. We bring in the nation's top wholesalers and house slippers to walk you through everything they're doing. How they're marketing directly to sellers, how they're picking up discounted off-market properties, how they're doubling their close ratio with the right negotiation tactics, how they're raising millions of dollars in private money, the things they're doing that other investors aren't doing, all of it. These are the guys and gals who are actively doing deals at a high volume in today's market all across the country. You get their full attention for three days. They have agreed to hold nothing back and you'll be right there with them so you can ask questions and get clarification on anything that you need. This is your chance to hack the nation's top flippers and wholesalers and ethically steal their exact strategies and systems. All you have to do is take notes, ask questions, and apply what you learn. But first, you need to get a ticket. We've sold out every year and ticket prices go up every few months. So go to FlipHackingLive.com right now and get your tickets today. FlipHackingLive.com, October 15th through the 17th. This is an event that you cannot afford to miss.